Yo, 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 what's up? It is your girl, Ruby Chew. What's up? I'm so glad you came and stopped by to listen to this episode. I appreciate you. Before you move further, please make sure you are following Ruby Jew Radio on Facebook and Instagram at Ruby Jew Radio. Go ahead and get into this episode. We was live. We was in color. We was in full effect. We have the good interviews, the juiciest celebrity gossip, the real life topics, and we're also here to inspire you to do great in life. Don't forget to check out Ruby Jew website at R-U-B-Y-J-U-U-L-L-C.org. That is Ruby Jew Variety Shop. Once again, that is R-U-B-Y-J-U-U-L-L-C.org. Ruby Jew Variety Shop is a shop where I sell a variety of items because I may just have what you need. Don't forget to grab your favorite cocktail and come chill with your girl. Also, don't forget to check out Mellow Sauce because guess what? Remember... They got the drip, but I got the motherfucking sauce. Mellow sauce is a sweet and spicy sauce that goes on any and everything. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Facebook at M E L L O W S S A U C E 93. Again, that is M E L L O W S S A U C E 93, baby. Get your sauce today. Go ahead and order. Go ahead and get into this episode of Ruby Drew Radio. Get into my new single, Crush Thing. And baby, I will catch you later. Because remember, life is too short. So have fun some of the time. And I see you staring back at me. And this my chance to show my shine. y'all and it was just so we was in some type of crazy room where this dude was trying to shut him down for telling his story and so i hopped up and was like oh no wait you can come on my podcast and tell your story you ain't got to be up in here with these people that don't want to hear that so um this how we met and we are here so without further ado because y'all know i talk a lot <laughs> without further ado we're going to go ahead and let mr victor bell you know tell us where he's from what he's about you know what he does for a living and then we're going to get into his story so go ahead mr victor bell you have the floor uh good evening everybody how's everybody doing uh, my name is victor bell i go by victor edward uh, on my media platform um, first and foremost, uh, I want to thank Ruby for letting, uh, allowing me to be a guest on the show. Uh, we did meet in a clubhouse room. Um, and actually, just to clear up a bit, um, the brother's uh, room that I was in, I've actually been in his room a few times. He's actually allowed me to share my story before. I just was, um, sometimes I get a little long-winded, so he was trying to curtail that for the sake of the room. Um, but nevertheless, um, Ruby did hear my story and she asked me to join her podcast. So I, once again, I thank her. Um, I am first and foremost, uh, madly in love with Christ Jesus. Uh, he is the lover of my soul. He's the keeper of my mind, sustainer of my peace. Uh, and then I am a husband, 
uh, to a beautiful wife going on 11 years. I'm a father to two beautiful children. Uh, I am an educator and uh, and the uh, ur- and the urban. Or, I mean, I am an urban educator, should I say, in the uh, uh, urban sector of the of the region I'm in. Um, I am a native of the DMV, DC, Maryland, and Virginia uh, metropolis area, metro area. Excuse me. Um, I have been here since all my life, except for maybe a year and a half. My father was in uh, the army, so we were in Germany. Uh, I've been in in education for going on 12 years, going over a little over 12 years. Uh, I am an author um, of the book From Secrets with Men to Romance with Him. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, Once again, uh, the title of my book is called From Secrets with Men to Romance with Him. Uh, You can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. I am also a poet of several poems. Um, I, I perform a lot of my poems on Clubhouse, and um, one of my poems is on uh, YouTube as well. I am also on the 700 Club. If anybody is familiar with the 700 Club, uh, my testimony is on the 700 Club. Um, once I finish and, and explain my testimony or share it, then I'll go in a little bit more into that. I am also a new actor. I just started acting. Uh, I will be in... Uh, a film uh, has been that has been produced locally uh, called Health Home Chronicles. I'll say that one more time. Health Home Chronicles. I played the villain in this movie. Um, it was very fun, uh, me doing this, and uh, it, was, it was a new hobby that I found and love to do. Uh, lastly, I am also a football coach. I coach the young men that I work with uh, at the school that I work at, and it is a, it's very enjoyable. Uh, for me to do that as well. So that is me in a nutshell, and uh, we can uh, continue, Ruby. Okay. So, dang, you got a lot of shit going on, Mr. Bell. Well, damn. Okay. I thought I had a long list of things. Mr. Bell is all, he's all, I say Mr. I know if you don't want me to call you Mr., let me know, because I, I don't know if you're older than me or you're younger than me. I just always, you know, was taught to have that respect. You know what I'm saying? So, um... But yes, I see you have a lot going on. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. And yeah, Clubhouse. Now, I didn't know that that was your first, I mean, that you had been in his room before. So after I said something, that's when the dude was like, oh, he coming here all the time, this, that, and third. I was like, oh, okay. So I ain't know that because that was my first time coming in that dude's room or whatever. So I just came up, you know, to speak my piece or whatever like that because I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Plus I had oh, a little dude. wine too because you know a little, a, little, a little wine intensifies a moment. You know, alcohol intensifies moments very fast. So Plus I was drinking a little wine that day too and I was like, I'm going to go ahead and see what the hell going on. But anyway, um, so I, um, I'm very interested in your story. Um, as we know, homosexuality is a big thing um, nowadays. It's everywhere. It's in the cartoons and the TV. They got the children marching in parades about it during school time. 
um, they're putting it in the sports. I mean, it's on the lotions, it's on the teas, it's on the speakers, it's everywhere. So I don't, you know, to me, I feel like it's a forced agenda. Some people may get upset when they say, when they when they hear me say that, or when other people say, how is it a forced agenda when, you know, you have, you you got, but you have no problem with um, putting heterosexual stuff, am I, am I saying it right, heterosexual stuff in front of kids? in front of yeah. kids but you but you got a problem with you know homosexual that's in front of kids well for me i'm gonna give you my personal opinion it's not the fact first of all children should be in children's places no sex should be introduced to no no child period that's number one uh number two first of all you know even though i have been on the other side of the track dabble dibble or whatever the case may be um i still know that right is right wrong is wrong i still know that hey it take a male and a female to produce something so it's like putting it's like making somebody do something that's abnormal and trying to make it normal if you get what i'm saying it's like mm -hmm. you, you're making me like say is i don't like the color red but you're gonna keep putting red 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 in front of me eventually you're gonna make me like the red and i'm gonna fall into your trap and follow you or whatever the case may be um so it's kind of like a, that's why I say it's a forced thing. Now you could give somebody a choice to want to do that, but the more you put it in front, it's kind of, it's, it's just like a commercial repetition. The more you put it in front of them, the more, you know what I'm saying, they're going to do it. And then also kids are very uh, impressionable. Why you think record labels and, and, act, and acting companies want people that are younger, you can manipulate them and sway them more. If you, if you, cause they're the, they're, the, they're the leaders of the next generation. So if you get them on board with the stuff, then the whole, I mean, it's going to be a whole new, if the new world order is started, it's starting now. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that would be, you know, my thing. Even, even for, even for, even something simple as a studio equipment, it's like a female part and the male part in order for, to connect for that microphone to work. Even for a flower, it's like a male part and a female part in order for that flower to produce pollen so the bees can eat, so they can produce honey, so we can eat the honey and be healthy. So yeah, that that's this is my take on that when people say it's a force, you know, what you mean is for if people get offended, you know what I'm saying? It's fine, but no nothing should be put in front of children. You should give them kids their own choice. You know what I'm saying? Nothing should be put should be put in front of a person's eyes that's under 18, nothing crazy. You know, that's a lot of things children see and do, and they try to compare that to that. But it's just like <laughs> how can you one ain't no seeing great than the other thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I'm not saying being, having, you know, putting homosexuality in front of kids is greater than putting drugs and killing this, killing and, uh, and fucking yeah, and sucking yeah. in front of them. I, I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is they're pushing that more than anything else. I agree. I agree. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, I, I feel it's being pushed at the rate of equal acceptance. But to get it, because we live in a heterosexual or heteronormative society where things yeah. are done between uh, 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 male male and female or separate or just uh, the dominating uh, genders of just male and female, um, I feel like homosexuality or the LGBT community feel like they have to catch up. Right. That's that's what it feel like. It's still like that, don't it? Yeah. That's yeah, what they it feel like. like they yeah. yeah. That's what I was and, feeling uh, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And as they feel they need to catch up, um, they are going to go out of their way to make sure they catch up. Now, uh, there's some literature that I could, I'm going to, I'll tell you about 
uh, I may tell you on the show, or I may just send it to you on your, on, in, your, in your Instagram, but there's some literature that talks about their desire to catch up uh, or to make sure they have uh, made their mark, uh, if you will. But mm. I agree 100%. I mean, I have no issue to who, if somebody's listening that's on the other side of the track, I don't have no issue with it. I've dated women, I've dated girls, I have female friends that like girls that are still into them, you know, people do what they do. But at the end of the day, um, I don't condone that being in front of any any children. You're an adult, do what you do. Hell yeah, I mean, you 19, you want to suck some dick, go ahead. You fit, you, you goddamn 21, you want to eat some coochie, go ahead. Shit. But not for children in elementary school, middle school. Yeah, fortunate, he, yeah. He uh-huh. shouldn't be walking around. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say my people, my family members' name. I'm not going to put their, you know, their names out there. But I was at a birthday party that one of my cousins had, and it was a little boy there. And I don't know why he felt, you know, people always feel need to come up to me and tell me, I can be out so if somebody come up to me and just start telling me their whole life story and I'd be looking around like, what the hell going on? Am I shopping or what? <laughs> like, I got to get my milk and eggs. You ain't here telling me your life story anyway. So, um, we was at, I was at this birthday party and, um, I was sitting out in peace. I had my kids, they running around and I was trying to keep up with them. Everybody know I got little bit of kids. I don't got no big kids. So I got to keep up with them. And so, um, the little boy, he was about 11, maybe 12. And he was sitting there and he was talking and you know, he, you know, he was a little, he was feminine, you know, just like a little girl, you know. When I say feminine, I mean he's smacking his lips and waving his hands and you know, the whole neck rolling, you know, neck popping. And so um he said something to the extent of, yeah, um, what did he say? I said, I said something about, he said something about my shirt. And I said, oh, you like my shirt? He was like, yeah, I had like this little tropical shirt on. He was like, it's real cool. It's real nice. I'm like, well, thank you. I was like, um, you can get you one like this so you can have the girls going crazy at school. You know how you just kid around with boys. You know, most boys, mm-hmm. they be like, oh, I don't like no girl. Oh, they be ugly. You know, most little boys going to say that. So he was like, um, he said something to the extent of like, oh, girls, I don't got no girlfriend. I don't like girls. And I said, oh, okay, well, me, in my mind, I'm, even though he acting like, look, I'm, in my mind, I'm not thinking like, okay, yeah, he, mine thinking like that, because I, no, I know people in school that like that, and they got, they married with kids and stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's, sometimes it'd be just a phase that you're going through because you're around, you know, girls and stuff. So I ain't thinking he talking in that, man, he like, oh, I don't like, you know, girls. And I'm like, oh, okay, so, okay, well, maybe when you get a little older, he's like, nah, I'm not going to like girls then either. And so I'm like, so what you trying to say? He was like, I'm gay. He didn't say it out loud. He went by else to him. And I was like, you gay? He was like, yeah. I'm like, well, how you know that? He was like, because my grandma tell me that. He be saying that. So that's what I am. I said, that don't mean that because that's what you are. That ain't right. That ain't right. That don't mean that. He was like, well, what am I? Why do I act like this? I was like, sometimes more people are more in touch with their feminine side than they get their masculine side. Everybody has a masculine side and everybody has a feminine side. But that don't mm-hmm. mean you gay. I was like, don't think like that. And he was like, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, whoo, child, it's going to take us a while. But I don't think we got time for me to go, in de- and go into that deep. I said, but well, that doesn't mean you gay. And he was like, well, don't tell, you know, such and such because he's going to get mad. And I was like, well, I'm not going to say nothing. This is me and your conversation. I mean, I'm not going to, I ain't going to tell nobody. And he was like, okay. And then he, he's like, can I have, can you, can you, can I have some soda? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Get you whatever you want to eat. And I just sat there and I just looked at him. And as the other kids didn't play with him. And I'm like, look how they are already putting, that's emotional trauma right there, singling him out already. 
mm-hmm. without even even sitting down and explaining to him or whatever. So I just hate it. I, I ain't gonna say I hate it. I just feel some type of way with him growing up in the, in the household where people are telling you that and you don't even know what that is. I told him I said everybody. Yeah. Then I told him I said, well, everybody gave to a come town time, time to do it. He was like, do what? I said exactly. So you don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a prime example of people putting that in, putting it in front of kids and putting it in their kids' head. Now, I don't want people to listen to this and think that I'm trying to be biased or I'm just saying, no. It's just like with anything with drugs and, and, and sex. You know, I hate to see uh, some, I hate to see men out here raising their three-year-old son to say, fuck that shit and holler up gang gang and yeah, you know, all that hood stuff. That really irked me. That truly, truly irks the shit out of me. You know, letting the child wear his pants all saggy and stuff. You put yeah. emotion, you, you put you putting the emotional stress on the child, and you telling the child that him talking proper, that's wrong. So him talking like he bonus and halfway pronouncing his words is right. I had to relearn myself as I got older because I'm talking like I'm front of hood. So I'm talking just like it, but I wasn't getting great. I wasn't getting the good job. I was smart, but I wasn't getting those good jobs because of the way that somebody put in, somebody put this shit in front of me and told me, hey, this is right. And this is what's going on with homosexuality. This is what's going on with, with money, sex, drugs, and violence. They putting it in front of the children and say, hey, this is what you do. This is right. It's just like... I mean, it's really, it really goes deep. I can go on and on, but I'm not going to get too much deep into it. But I just want to make those examples of what I'm talking about as far as, like, putting in front of kids or or putting the emotional stress on kids, you know. Putting the burden, the, putting, it, putting the adult stress right. on a child to have to deal with adult behavior. Right. And the way you're presenting, you're presenting this idea to kids is through sex. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and you're not admitting that you are aligning sex to it or that sex is aligned that that sexuality, that gender uh, uh, or, or, or gender uh, discovery is not aligned with sex. You have to do that because you're trying to say that it is as uh, equitable on or or uh, or normal um, uh, uh, as heterosexuality. And the reason why they they're overdoing it, and they're pushing it because they know it's not. Yep. Um, and uh, like I said, I will, as we go further into the discussion, I will give you any, I will give you a a published example of their of the LGBT community's agenda to do that. And I don't have any thing against the LGBT community. Um, your life is your life, and what you want to do is what you, what you want to do. What I what you said, I have an issue with uh, uh, any community telling me I cannot that what's in my mind. That it is it brings me peace and joy uh of of my belief that you want to change that in my mind. And if it comes out of my mind because it is applied to a relevant discussion that you will condemn or control or, or try to say that I can't think that to where it becomes repetitive that I would rather not even say it. That is that is uh, uh, totalitarianism to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a dictatorship. That is yep. evil. that is wickedness, and I'm not gonna let you do. Now, people say so. All of that because of homosexuality? No. All of that because of the underlying uh, uh, agenda of control, and what you, what they choose to not acknowledge is that as you're trying to control, you want to do it 
so that you can feel free or feel uh, ex- uh, exonerated, exuberated. Yeah, um, um, you, they, they can feel free or they can feel uh, they can make others accept them. And and, and, and that's the way what it I feel like. Like it feels yeah. like it don't feel like like okay, yeah, we all know the drug game, money game. That's the you know, the real gangsters is the government. Don't people been doing that shit since the nineteen goddamn twenties and you know homosexuality been going on for forever you as well. Time, yeah. You know what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. But it's just like it's it's but, I can't explain the feeling like you said it's like a you're not giving me a choice, like you know. Back you, in you, the 80s. You, wanna, you wanna take from my mind before it even comes out of my mind. Right. Like and, in the 80s, you had a choice. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't that's okay. I don't mind you feeling the way you feel, but you can't take what's out of my mind. As right. long as what comes out of my it. mind is not to hurt other people, it's not to harm other people, it's not to uh demean or condemn or present a verdict to other people that controls their life. Um, and so that 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 that's my biggest that's my biggest thing. But I even if that's the, my biggest thing, I don't really try to dwell on it because I don't care what I don't what other people's lives. What are, you eat like, don't make me shit. Basically, yeah. <laughs> that's what you want to be. That's what you just just be what you want to be. But I have a choice to uh, shield my children for what I want to shield my children from, no matter what it is. I can decide to shield them. I can decide to guide how they receive or things are presented to them. And I have a choice to agree with something or not agree with it. And I think that's what they have a problem with because they feel as long as there's somebody to oppose agreeing with this lifestyle, then we'll never be completely uh, equal to everybody else. And what I'm saying is you already are equal, but your bedroom, your, your, your lifestyle, your private lifestyle, your to public life right. even if it is public it has nothing to do with me and you want me to agree with it and I don't have to agree with it just be who you want to be mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with me because you can't say now that they counsel your ass with the quickness you hear me you but can't see, say nothing uh, at this point um I'll talk about that a little more you know in my for my, my story and things but um I I know I'm not going to be canceled because my story is a dichotomy. My story takes you in to the life, and we're getting into the story now. Yeah, uh, we're gonna uh, get into the story. I said, like, you know, we yeah. we always gotta do the 15 minute deep breathe to break the ice so that people know yeah, what's yeah, going yeah, on. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Then we get if you, if you stay, that means you meant to. If you listening right there, that means you meant to be here. You meant to listen to this right now. So we about to get into the juicy part of the story because I am curious myself on how you went from snapping two fingers to, uh, you know. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna say raking the yard. Because <laughs> I, I mean, that's yeah. to me, that's like a major transformation. Like, you know, you hear guys say, well, I've always felt like this. I've had this feeling since I've been 10. I was born this way. You always hear guys say, well, I used to watch my sisters and them get dressed, and I always wanted to be like them. And, you know, that's why it's important to have a male figure in the house. We, we'll get into that. That's another conversation for another day for another topic. Anyway, so. 
you know, you hear me and say these things, and they say when I got older, I acted upon these things, and you know, some say they liked it, some say they didn't. So it's like, you know, I want to know, I want to know from the rooter to the tutor. You know, I want to know like how you st- like, you know, if you want to go into great detail, you can. I don't mind. You know, I ain't got no sensitive ears, and um, but I want to know like how you start like what made you you know want what what attracted you to a man what made you want to be with a man during that time you know what i'm saying we'll start off with those questions and then i will we'll answer i ask ask some more questions once you you know once we get into this part but what made you want to be with like when did you know that you were interested in a man i dig it so i was never raped on my basket nobody ever did anything to me that i didn't want them to be um, I didn't do things with people that were way older than me or could manipulate me or control me. Um, I saw a soap op- soap opera at five. And it was the sex scene of a soap opera, the opening credits of it. And when I saw it, um, the sex scene, like to this day, I'm like, man, that's, that was a real passionate sex scene for daytime television in 1990. I mean, in 1991. So, uh, when I saw it, the see, the preceding scenes to that scene was a woman being swept off her feet on the beach and then a woman uh, eating this romantic dinner. Uh, and when she was eating the romantic dinner, um, she was drinking wine and, and eating with this guy who was just like showing her all this romantic benevolence. And I, when I saw the sex scene and the way she was wrapped underneath his neck and had her arms around him and and the way they were moving their faces, it's okay. This is. Ooh, child, don't get me hot and bothered on the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I said, this is kissing, and this looks good, and he's holding her and caressing her and. And then the scenes before, I said, well, he must love her. And this is, this must be the culmination of love. This must be the, the, the outcome of love. And if this is what love is, I want to be loved like that. And boom, that's where it hit. Because I had so, I was like, man, girls get, even if uh, growing up, you know, you, you understand that dudes be lying. You know, they, they'll, they'll tell you what they want to tell you to, you know, to get what they want. But I said, at least from the eye, girls get the idea of love is demonstrated upon them in a way that a man doesn't organically get it unless he's a child. Most times, a mother can love her son like that, but um, you know, unconditionally. But but even when it's a lie, it is. Sometimes it's very grand. It's a very grandiose lie how women are loved and how little girls are treated. And so I say, I the first definition of love to me was through sex. So I said, okay, eventually you have to you have to well now you have to present your mind and your and your actions when it's opportune times come up for you to be her to be loved like the woman in the bathtub scene. So when I play house, when I play high and go seek doctor, what have you, if there was a boy that I felt 
was wanted to experiment or that was uh, interested, if he presented any crack of opportunity, I was I was taking it by the horns. Because I said, all right, this is my chance to be loved like the woman in the bathtub scene. And that was what I wanted. Now, my parents have been were married close to 40 years. I know real love. I know how to love. I know through my uh, through my journey of transformation. Uh, but at that time, it was like all oh, that's love by default. This, like everybody should want this kind of love. Like the way it was presented to my eyes. And, and, and the imagination of the feeling to be the journey to that love, the uh, the walk, the path to that love in a, in a given moment or time that could be through weeks, years, but the way I saw it in a matter of minutes or hours, that this is what you could get. So from the ages of about five to eight, you know, I had several, you know, sexual encounters with boys my age. Um, and then oh, at about say that again. You said the age of what? Age? About five. Yeah. Five to eight years old. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. Um. About eight is when it changed, but I had kissed boys. I had. I had done everything but be, either penetrate a boy or be penetrated. And uh, it was one, one, it was, it was, it was, those boys were experimenting just like me. Um, there was one boy who was very feminine um, when I was about uh, six or seven. Um, about say about six, he was real feminine. Um, and he was advanced to be six, like, Either something had already happened to him or he, whatever, whatever it was, it, it enlightened his mind to say, this is what I want to do. Because what we were doing is what I could wrap my mind around as an adult or as, as, a, as a teenager. Like, you shouldn't know how to do that, but he did. And I welcomed the opportunity because it allowed, both of us wanted to, both, both of us wanted to be feminine. And we just embraced that, that moment. Um, and it, it, it gave me like checkpoints to say like, all right, you're on your way to that. At about eight, I really started to tap into my masculinity. Um, and I was fighting. I was fighting when I was six and seven, like picking up bricks and bottles and, you know, just fighting as hard as I could to survive because the neighborhood we was living in at the time. And, um, about eight, I really started tapping to my masculinity. I really started to favor, like I, I knew girls were pretty. And even as, you know, in those younger ages, I knew girls were pretty and I was attracted to them. But I wanted, my quest was was a, a, a silent hunger. So at about eight, you know, I'm really starting to tap into girls more and really liking girls more. And I had never really been verbally bullied, but I knew what it was to have to feel like I needed to to fight and the idea of fighting to survive. And then 
I got to about, I got to nine and I lost my virginity to a girl that was nine. We were childhood friends. Um, we were both that's, in the same class together. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And her dad had like this large volume of porn. He had like several dozens of tapes of porn. Hardcore triple X porn. Um, I was introduced to, introduced to Vanessa Del Rio at nine. I didn't know who she was. I remember her face later in my life. I was like, oh, that was her. Ron Jeremy, all them type. I, was, I saw them at that age. So when I saw what I saw on TV and but watching porn for the first time, it was exhilarating. And I was like, wow. But what I saw was every time a woman has sex, she has verbal and emotional responses that are... It is a response... It's an affectionate response of the, 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 the idea that how a man is physically uh, catering to her or physically how he makes her feel physically. It is a level of care, a level of affection, is a level of uh, sensitivity and delicacy that it made me, it just made me imagine and wow, what if he loves her? If this is love, that's how he loves her. I really, really, really want that. Um, you watch how the you watching porn, how a man takes his time. Um, and then I started to see how a woman, you know, verbally moans and and you know grabs sheets and pillows and you know contorts her body to receive what I thought was love. But I didn't know I was going down a window, open up a, a, a avenue of lust. Like my def my first definition of of love was through sex, but now it was just walking me down the road of lust, and that was my that was the beginning for me. That was my uh, genesis of what I thought love was. So now I, my my lust antennas are heightened and they're very sensitive, but they have the deception of this could potentially be love. But my friend, she showed me this movie. So then I called her one day and I said, you want to do what we saw on TV? She said, yeah, sure. So we tried to do, we did everything until, and we tried to have any courses until one day, it just happened. And I remember I came home after doing it. I was like, told my brother, I was like, hey, 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 bro, I don't want to say his name because um, I haven't talked to him about the podcast. Um, <laughs> but I, I was like, uh, I had sex. He was like, what? I was like, nah, nah, for real, bro. I had sex, sex. And I was like, yo, it was amazing. Cause I didn't, I didn't have no condom. I couldn't fit no condom. I was, I was, I was nine. And, but it was like, there's gotta be more pleasure that I haven't. Cause that's when I first started to understand pleasure. I said, there's gotta be more pleasure that I haven't unlocked. So it was like, yeah, I want the love. I want to be the girl. I really do. Like when girls cry, when girls fall, when girls are upset, when girls are frustrated or confused, they get a lot of attention. Don't cry, baby. It's okay. When they fall, get up. You okay? So, you hurt yourself. Let me, I'm, just, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just want to, because I, I got to interject because I want to ask this question. So what made you start feeling, I know you said you watched the TV show and you seen how passionate the man was with the woman and how she was just really basically just enjoying it and just all you, you thought it was like love. But before then, can you recall or remember any feelings 
or anything that made you like want to steer towards that feeling? Yeah, I said if if I can be her, I can be loved. So what made you feel like you wouldn't love at the age of five years old and before then? There was nothing to tell me that I wasn't loved. Nothing. I could, there was, there was absolutely nothing at the day it happened. It was nothing at that time that would say you are not loved. There was nothing that could equate to that. There was nothing that could resemble it. There was nothing that could, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. There was nothing that said you weren't loved. My mother loved me. My father loved me. I had beef with my father later in my life. We good, we great friends now. But it it didn't affect me feeling like I need love that was not there. That that wasn't a reality. It was bro, slim, homie. Uh, we say slim where I'm from um, a lot to like uh, uh, put an emphasis on what we're saying. Um, I want to be her because that just looks better than anything I've ever seen. It, it, that's the only way I could equate it. People be like, ah, are you, that, that, that was it. I was like, yeah. One, one dude, I was in a clubhouse room. One dude, he got so mad at me, he was gay. He said, um, I missed, he said, Victor, can you stop talking now? I heard your story enough. And I said, can you let me finish? And he was like, nah, I already heard you. I'll let you finish. And then I was trying to, you know, extend on my point and, 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 and finish, my, finish the story and, and how it was relative to the point. And he was like, can you shut the F up? You still probably effing faggot. You probably suck the skin off of... I was like... <laughs> and I was like, um, he's mad. Because he couldn't believe it. He was like, no, I don't believe that you wanted to be gay because you saw a TV show. But that's the And truth. this is the prime example of what the fuck we were just talking about earlier. How they put, like, put it on the TV. You see that? You see how they influence your mind? Yeah, and, and this was so, 91, so right. daytime television ain't what we see today. Daytime no. television is like freaking soft porn. Yeah. Uh, like, so, you know, uh, but, but having, a, uh, equating that, equating both, so seeing that how girls are treated, how girls get affection, girls get uh, general care and consideration for areas of... Uh, areas of need immediately boys didn't get that i didn't get it you know growing up just in my general culture and nature you know the nature was even from the women in my family my mom too be tough stop crying uh uh get up walk it off you know more times than not and it was like i learned how to be rough and i'm, I'm, just, I'm just used to playing football and on the dirt and with rocks and glass and all that, and you just you figure it out. You know what I'm saying? But I would love, I would love to have had the other thing too, the balance mm -hmm. or the masculine affection to where I know that I'm loved and I'm not dismissed. So So you felt uh, like sometimes as a child you was emotionally dismissed because you was a male? Um, I felt the culture that males grew up in in general. You know, I'm, I was born in 86. I'm 35. So we boys didn't get that. I mean, tapping into mental, uh, uh, um, social, emotional growth and social, emotional balance. We, we're just we're just we're just acknowledging that now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We've acknowledged it over the past, you know, maybe 10 years, you know, as a, as a culture. But that wasn't back then. Stop crying, nigga. That's what you got. Toughen yeah. up. Put your hands up. Body shots. 
What's up? When you get a what's up, it's, it's two shots to the body, man. Are right, you strong enough? You can take that joint now. Shots to the arm and all that. Like, nah, we ain't get that. Girls got that. You okay, sweetie? Don't cry. You good? Come sit on my lap. No, my boys ain't get that. So if there's any pain that you got to deal with and go through in any hardness, in any level of dis- feeling of dismissal, you, you can't get, talk about that. You, you wasn't allowed to. Express that. You do not. You wasn't not, allowed to, no. You wasn't allowed to. So anyway, um, so I'm nine and that happens, right? So I'm accepting what I feel that all of these thoughts about what my what my realities are before my eyes. Now I've tapped into a level of pleasure at nine that I don't know how to navigate, but I know what it felt like. And but I, I'm like, well, what about the pleasure that the girl gets? So by the time I was 11, I was I had been verbally bullied too. And I had been made up because of my skin tone and I, we ain't had the nicest clothes and we had hand-me-downs. And we always looked nice. My mom always makes sure we look nice. But we didn't have Ralph Lauren Polo and uh, Earl Postel and designer jeans and Jordans and all that. I used to be like, Mom, she's like, um, we want the Jordans. She said, like, well, you want Jordans or groceries? I said, Mom, we want Jordans. She was like, you're not my favorite, but we're getting groceries. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, so I had don't give a fuck whether you eat or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so she wasn't, she wasn't trying here. Now, we had a nice house in, 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 in a suburban neighborhood. We did. We, you know, we lived, we lived surfacely pretty good. Um, I never went without, but that was a part of why people made fun of me. Um, and that, that made me feel unloved. Because it was right. like this is the, this is the default love that can't people just be kind and considerate of you as a person, you know, just because you are who you are, just you're pure person. And then I was just saying earlier, me and my dad, my dad physically abused me when I was young. He didn't not sexually, but when I was five, okay, put so me up. This, so we get into the we get into the truth of truth. So this stems. Okay, I, I'm 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 getting you filling in the blanks for me now. Okay, yeah. yes, go ahead. So when I was five, um, I remember I, I peed on the floor by accident. And I was trying to rush back to the bathroom to clean up the floor. My dad came in and was like, who did this? And I was trying to tell him and then he picked me up and he shook me. He shook me so hard. Mm. And from that day, man, I had a level of hate for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was like, why would you do that to me? Man, I worshiped you, bro. Like, I, I honored you. I really loved you. Like, you, And there's no part of you that ever saw, like, I never want to be that to my son. I want my son to always have that place with me. And I felt my dad was a jerk. Like, like I felt that. You have no, you have a level of inhuman inhumanity in you that I don't, I don't want to be around, mm-hmm. and I didn't care for. And um, but what it made me feel like, because he never was that to me. Maybe I could get it from somewhere else, but that was silent in the back of my head. So you add them two together: physically abused, verbally bullied. It's gonna make but, you stare somewhere where you feel like you can be. Yeah, yeah, and it introduced the lust. And, and I still want the love that a woman gets. So that, like, it just set the ingredients up to make this bowl of what my life was coming of, to. Of fruitcake. So, yeah. um, <laughs> hey, look, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just, 
tripping, honey. So look, we got the basics. So let's get to the. I want. I want to get to the juicy part. Like, I want to know. Like, okay. So like in your teenage years, you know, how did you navigate and maneuver through high school with being? You know, I know. I'm pretty sure by the time you turned 15, you was already set on. Okay, I like men. This is what I like. This is what I want. Or maybe you were about. I, I actually, it was different. I was a download. I was a download guy. Okay. I was a down low guy as far as I was concerned from about the ages like I would say I I I was I was secretly telling myself that I wasn't at 11. Mm. Um the first time I penetrated myself I was 11. Um I was I was watching porn so much my cousin had introduced me to it. Um walked in on him one night caught him watching it. He used to live with us. And um I learned how to masturbate through catching him. And, he, and it's crazy. He never did. We never, he never ever did anything to me. Like God rest his soul. He never did anything to me. He never, uh, even was even that he would have killed somebody. If they tried to do something to me like for real. Like he wasn't, he was, uh, he was effective in the streets. Let me say that. Um, uh, he died in a car accident, but anyway, um, masturbation was like this exhilarating feeling. And then I was in class one day. I was in the sixth grade. And um, I'm sitting in class, and um, I hear this voice saying, when you go home, penetrate yourself. And how I was you, so how excited. How you do that? So, I mean, you, you finger yourself. This is pretty much it. And... Um, oh, that spirit was on you hard. My God. Yeah. yeah. So, and... I didn't know nothing about a male prostate and men can have orgasms from their prostate. And I ain't know nothing about that. I just knew when I got home, I was excited because I get to do something that I feel is going to bring me more pleasure. And it is preparing me to be the woman because women get penetrated. So I did that and it was like, what the bad words. This was amazing. <laughs> I was so subdued with this feeling it was like, whenever I get a chance to do this, I'm gonna do this. So I get about 14 and I really say, okay, this isn't, this isn't doing anything. I need to do more. So I anything that was shaped like a male anatomy, I used it. And Hold on, wait a minute. So you fourteen, you you using maybe like cucumbers, bananas? I, um, not that because I felt like that wasn't it wasn't sturdy enough. Um, mm -hmm. I give you one. Um, you gonna it's your your listener may be like, wow, what the? So <laughs> we um, ready? <laughs> uh, brace yourself. <laughs> I'm a big Nas fan. But Nas say, brace yourself for the main event. Y'all impatiently waiting. It's like an age test. What's the result? Because let me stop. Um, so I used to put Vaseline and baby oil on a plunger. And I would sit on the plunger. I could make a plunger almost. Ah! God damn it. My asshole just clenched. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Baby, I can't even get a turd out this motherfucker. You putting a damn... Lunch up them. Ooh, anyway, let's keep going. <laughs> I want to hear so, more. <laughs> it it was my way of of keeping a steady, you know, 
a stroke of what I felt like this is being a girl. Um, and I did that for a little while. And I was like, that's not enough. So my first encounter of being penetrated by a person, at least with a person guiding the penetration, I did it to a dumb uh, lesbian. She was like two years older than me. And she was, um, she had a couple of straps. Um, and she used to do it to me. And it was, at that time, it was exhilarating. It was bliss. And it was the first time I had somebody caress me, grab me, hold me like a woman. And I remember her saying, your, your butt is soft. She said something else, but it's soft like a chick. And she talked to me like I was a girl. And now, on the surface, this is why this is crazy. On the surface, from about 11 on up, even when I was in it's it's secure in my looks and my, you know, I had active growing up for a little bit. And I, as I wasn't that secure in how I looked and how I presented myself, I was a, a woman I was on a quest. Like, my cousin, who uh, was no longer with us, he was 6'4" dark skin, smooth head, and pedestrian ball player, athlete, could play more than one sport, street dude, smooth talker, well-dressed, uh, street money getter. And he was the greatest womanizer I seen with my, my real two eyes. When he died, it was so many girls that came and looked at that casket, my God from Zion. Tall girls, short girls, long hair, short hair, dreads, cornrows, thick, skinny, in the middle, uh, light skin, dark skin, uh, big lips, small lips, like, oh, man, everything you could think of was at that casket. So when I saw him, it was like, bro, I got to be him, bro. I got to be him as a man. I got to be him. So by the time I was 14, 15, I was a... Girls, girls, girls was, I used to cry listening to that song. <laughs> and I ain't girls, talking about, girls, yeah, girls, yeah. Girls. But the, I'm talking about the remix, the remix on Blueprint, Blueprint 1. The ain't, I lo- um, girls, I do adore, so put your name. On the because I would, I would love, love to date you. Higher at you when I come, come on tour. tour. Yeah. yeah. That was, like, I used to literally sit in the car and be like, bro, I love this song, bro. Like, this is everything. This is my life. <laughs> Because, like, every period switch, I was at a different girl's locker all the time. All the time. And then, you know, I was sexually advanced. So, I ain't care. Chick was 15, 16. And she in the 10th, she in the 11th. But I'm like, man, the dudes you doing it to ain't doing what I'm doing. I know he ain't. So, most of them ain't. I was eating. I was going down on girls when I was 14, 13. Um, I knew what to lick. Like, I seen the reaction. Young as, like... You, it was taboo in 2000 anything to to put your face in a girl's box and talk about it. Not for me. I was like, all right, bro. Nah, I'm I'm a, I'm a politic this, and I saw how girls responded. So I was like, but this 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 is the this this is it. And she may not want you to tell everybody, but she like it. And I didn't think I was that handsome, you know getting over acting and all that stuff. So my 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 confidence and my looks had not caught up with my ability to be physical my physical prowess. I had muscles coming in the uh you know by the by the middle of 
middle of the ninth grade year, I had I had I was lifting weights all the time. So it wasn't too many places I walked up with my shirt off, shirt shirt on. All my sweaters and all my dress shirts was tight, like Shamar Moore type situation back then. So you had sex appeal, but you didn't have the confidence. Yeah, like it, it was crazy because if you met me, you wouldn't think that I didn't have no confidence. You wouldn't know. You would have no clue. Like, now this nigga is arrogant and he is conceited and he just know he's sexy. Um, and I did. That's how I felt. Um, so even then, it still hadn't really matched yet. But I sexually I felt like if I get her, if I get this girl alone, it's over. Cause what I'ma do, she only she be she imagines about in R and B songs. Now this is the surface me. I'm a football player, I'm I'm braggadocious, I'm loud, I'm amped up all the time. Under the surface, I was dreaming on being a girl. So now I'm in high school and I'm seeing how girls are treated on this level. They get gifts, they get kisses, they get hugs, they get hold hands, walk into the class and all this stuff. I'm like, bruh, I want to be that on the way to the soap opera scene. But I I was more active with the my, my dom lesbian friend because that was my only access to doing that. Just before college, had a couple encounters with men that were older than, uh, a couple of, I'd say about a year or two older than me. I mean, two, three years older than me, older than me but I was about I was 17 at that point. So then the adversary says, you know, I had a friend one time, I was in, I was in high school, I was in class, and to this day, she, she is appalled that she asked me this. And she was like, Vic, are you bi? And I was like, come on, girl, stop playing me. <laughs> and I'm laughing at it, right? And my homeboy, like, and we know Vic ain't gay. Vic talked to too many girls. And in my mind, I'm like, how did she figure it out? What the? Dang. I said, nah, bro, this. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I am. Like, I, I would tell myself I am, but I couldn't, you know, at that time, you can't come out and say you bad, gay, anything in 2000, 2000, anything pre-2008, before Obama. You can't come out and say that. So, um, adversary says, look, enough is enough. You need a penis. You need a fleshly penis inside of you. So here with the juicy pots come. This guy, I put a profile online. It was on, remember Black Planet? Mm-hmm. So I put a profile on Black Planet. I, I can speak very seductively. I, um, to this day, uh, I was talking to my wife the other day, and um, I have a, I have a, a, a movie. Um, my, my, my story is a, is a screenplay. It's going to be a movie soon. Um, still working out the pre-production with it, but um, um, looking for funding as well, too. Um, I've, I've got a few potential investors, but uh, I have a full screenplay done. I have a pitch deck done. I have a uh, general budget, all of those things. So, uh, But somebody's got to play me. Somebody's got to play that role. they got to play that character. And the, the character they had to play is masculine, womanizing, aggressive, outgoing, Vic. And then they have to play feminine Vic under the surface. So I, I put this seductive post up and 
I said, the dudes is horny, so they're gonna they're gonna bite. So I, I got bites. He was like, hey, I'm trying to come through. We'll send up. So when I would talk on the phone with a dude, I was more feminine than my wife or you or your female listeners. I could change my voice to if you heard me right now, you'd be like, hold up, bro, this ain't you. <laughs> you it might shock you. <laughs> like I did it with my wife the other day. I said, I'm gonna let you hear this one time. And she was like, Okay, well, can was, we hear it? Nah, not nah, nah, not on that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why we can't uh, hear it? Um, because I, because it's a level of intimacy I have with my wife that I share with her. I share. Oh, okay. I, I did do okay. it with a couple. I did it with um some potential directors of my movie, um because when I'm when I'm on set when I when the movie comes when the movie's being uh, produced. When I'm on set, it's gonna have to come out because I gotta show that actor who I was. Nobody's ever met Gay Victor that I know that that I'm friends and family with to this day. That y'all don't y'all never seen him before. So you wanna have to, I'm gonna have to resurrect him so that you can see, oh, this is who he was. Okay. So I'm talking to the dude, and uh he's immensely t- I, I, my goal was to turn you on to the point where you was you was pre-coming before you walked in my door um my goal was to be so seductive and so alluring and so sexual and it, so submissive but that was my way of being in control to get what i wanted which when, is to be loved that, was that what, what age was this 15 i was now i was 17 17, 17 okay we were 17, okay so the dude gets in the house you know he get over there and he was shorter than me. So, but he had this big lump in his sweatpants. And I'm like, I guess he already, you know, he already, you know, excited down there. And I said it to him, I said, you already come in here excited. And he was like, no, I'm not. And I was like, yeah, okay. It's not, it's, it's no way that you're that large and you're not excited yet. So then we, you know, proceed to, you know, and I switched like a woman back then. I switched. You don't know. Give I, us details. We, y'all yeah, can I see. Switched. When I used to walk, I, I did everything to entice. So if I'm okay. walking in front of a guy and he getting ready, I'm going to drop my shorts. So drop my, my underwear real slow and then let him hit the ground. And I'm going to switch away from you. I'm going to caress your chest, your arms, your neck. I'm, I'm going to do all this stuff. Like I'm, I'm competing with the mindset of what a woman would do that really wants to give you an experience that you're never going to forget. That's what I did. So in the meantime, while I'm doing that, he's getting a wreck. And then I saw, I was like, oh, God. And I hit to myself, like, yo, that's not normal. Because he was short. I'm like, that's not normal. That journey was, it, 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 I, oh, Lord. It was just, it was, it was a very, very big male anatomy. Um. And I was like, I don't know how I'm even fit that anywhere in any any part of my body. I, what? So I went to the bathroom and I started sweating. I was like, what I get myself into? And I was like, you may, you had him drive over over here. You gotta at least give him, you gotta let him climax. You can't send him on his way without nothing. So I went back in there. I tried. It wouldn't. I couldn't get it inside of me. So I went down on it. And. When I finished and everything was done, um, he left and, you know, was what it was. But then the adversary said to me, when I said adversary, I mean Satan, spirit of Satan, spirit of lust, spirit of dis- uh, destruction uh, of what God created me to be. And he said, 
you'll never be loved like a woman until you can take what women can take. Because women don't ever know when they at the club, when they at the party, when they meet a dude online, a new in the grocery store, whatever. They don't never know what size the dude is, but they can take it. So you got to be able to take it if you want to be loved like them. So I continue to have sexual encounters with guys. Um, and when I was in college, there was, uh, when it really flipped for me, and it was like, all right, you are really on the download now. You are seriously on the download. There was this guy, when I really began to accept it more, like all the way, like on the surface, I was still, I was a football player in college. I was a womanizer in college. I was having a whole lot of sex. Um, I used to go to, I used to go to heterosexual swinger parties. So it was on the surface. It was like, oh, he's a typical guy. You know, he's, he has sex a lot. So, and then by then, my looks had started matching my my confidence and I'm like, I'm fly, I'm fresh, like, you know what I'm saying? Or when I want to be, because I was an athlete, so I dressed like, I dressed like an athlete a lot. Um, but under the surface, I was like, I gotta, I gotta master this. So it was a guy I met online again. I'm in the car with him and another feminine guy. And I told him, I said, I, I texted him, I said, why, why can't we all have a threesome? And he was like, I gotta take him home. And I was like, so? So I'm talking like a chick and talking real feminine and with, with this seductive high-pitched voice and he said well let me just take you and i'm like cool so i will always submit with a little bit of resistance because i was like guys like that so i'm a guy so i know what guys like so i do it to this dude and at first it's hurting because once again i uh i know ruby i know you said your, your podcast is you know open to all no uh, uh raw and real conversation so yes we want to hear the details yes so all the time that i was dealing with dudes i never seen it i remember i never i've never seen a small penis one time one time every other time it was large it was either very long or very very girthy or both so it was like it, when you first start doing it it's painful it's not something that feels good right away but the imagination of getting to where you want to get, you accept the pain. It's like it's like doing ab work. You don't really like doing ab work because abs hurt, but you want a good, nice abs, so you keep doing them. So, uh, and my my ab work or my nice abs was being loved like a woman. What the avenue that I was I was in the hole of was lust, and I didn't really consider that. I, but I, but I was like, whatever. Well, if I gotta, if, if but now it's pleasurable and it's a quest for love. So I'm embracing both. So I'm doing a few positions with this guy and it's hurting. And then I said, well, let me try it like this. And I got on top of him and it stopped hurting. And I was like, oh, this would it feel like. And I braced myself because I was like, I'm bracing myself that I might be in pain, but I wasn't. So I started, I, I, I said, okay, how would a chick ride him right now and what would a chick say to him how would a woman moan and how would she grab on to him how would she stroke his ego and i i went I, I i put all those did all those things in that order and i brought them together and i said okay this is the me that i'm going to be from here on out so you went from victim to victoria in just that split time frame of the dude and you having a sexual encounter like that yeah. was a whole nother spirit that was a whole nother yeah person. It was, and i said i can't do the voice because when you 
when you hear that voice, it's it's like it's a spirit that's separate from my my the spirit that I have now. If you were to hear it, you'd be like, "Oh my, what the? You you might cuss like seriously." Um, it's not, <laughs> I am I'm, gonna cuss. I do it all that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it it was a whole nother spirit, and um, um, so my friends didn't know. My college friends would have, they, they, to when I told them they were shocked, they was completely shocked. They was like, what? When? So, How? We was always together. So when you had, so I'm going to ask you something. I, I mean, maybe you'll answer it. So during this time, you riding this guy, y'all in college, and you riding this guy. And did you, or like, did you have an orgasm like a woman or? I mean, yeah, um, over time, like you, you gotta. It's uh, the male prostate is real. It can produce orgasm. So it's like when a woman is, is when like when a woman is on top of a man. I know a lot of time women say, well, I, "Let me replace that." Younger women say, "Well, you know, we were doing it for a long time, but I didn't orgasm. It felt good, but I didn't orgasm." And it what I learned quick. Older women and women and young women that just kind of got it early in their life, they know how to bring themselves to climax when they are being penetrated. They know how to maneuver and sit and, and move to where it hits where they want it to hit. Um, and it, it's, it's like a, a delicate dance, you know, that uh, I learned with women. So I said, I got to learn the same thing so I can bring myself to climax when I want to. Um, I didn't that time, but eventually... I learned how to. Um, speaking of uh, speaking of Angel, my wife just walked in now. Hey, boo. I come break. Oh. I wish. Oh, uh, my wife talking about the mace she got. Her mace. Oh, the shit. Okay. Oh shit! <laughs> don't shoot me. I'm down here in Georgia. Don't shoot. Don't shoot, don't shoot me. <laughs> um, babe, I want to introduce you uh, to Ruby. This is a. Uh, uh, Ruby's podcast. Uh, hi, hi, Ruby. I'm sorry. I was door dashing. Okay. <laughs> I used to door dash too. It's okay. We got we um he's he's finishing up the story. I know y'all probably ready to go to bed so y'all can, you know. Oh, no. You good, you good. Oh, okay. I just you know when wifey come in and speak, when the queen speak, everything must cease. So you know how oh. I was making sure, you know. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um, um, respect, queen, respect. It's, 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 she is she is my partner in this. She is not. She's never intimidated or insecure or feel uh, disrespected about my story. She tells my story sometimes more than me. Okay. Uh, she is everything you. I'm telling you, she knows <laughs> everything. Because I'm gonna tell you some other stuff that you're gonna be like, wow. Um, is she. She is married to the whole victor. Let me just, I'll say that. <laughs> it's, it's not anything she's uh, uh, Thank unaware God. of. Thank God for deliverance. Yeah. Hallelujah for that. So look, so, okay, so we got to that part. So we talked about the the climax, because you're right. Like, you know, I, as, a, as a child, I was, you know, introduced to um, being with a woman at a very young age. I was like maybe 11, 10 or 11, and she was 10 or 11, and she was performing that on, you know, she was doing that on me. I didn't know what I was doing, you know what I'm saying? But as time went on, we kept, we was kept 
know, dealing with each other. Then I had another uh, friend girl that was feeling the same way. And I, but I felt weird because I knew that wasn't right. So as time went on, you know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, for, for a while I didn't, Cause after that little experience, I was like, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't like. That. I don't think that's me. I ain't, I don't like. I don't like that. So for a long, 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 long time, I wasn't into. Excuse me, no type of woman or doing no stuff like that. But I had already, I, but I had always had that curiosity. So when you say that older women who have done it at a younger age know how to maneuver to do the orgasm, that's true. Cause hey, when you on top and you hitting that spot, and I got my knees positioned right here, and I tell you to sit right there and, and lean that way, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm headed too. When you both, I'm gonna make sure both of us coming while you know at the same time. So I definitely, you know, agree with you on the older women part about knowing how to climax. So you in college, you riding this guy for the first time. Okay, boom. So from college, because you you just 35. So that means uh six years ago you was in your 20s. Six, seven years ago you was in your 20s. Yeah. So yeah. Cause I'm 33. So yeah. I'll be 34, Lord willing, this year in July. So um you so in your your college years, you start going to college at what age? 18, 19? Was that was what I mean? What what age did you go to college? Was it from eighteen no. to twenty two or eighteen? No, I, I, I don't know if you heard me. I said I was eighteen. Okay, you was eighteen. Okay, because you kind of cut out. That's why. Okay, you was eighteen when you went to college. All right. So did you graduate from college or like how was? I graduated from college. Um, uh, throughout college, I had I had a high high volume sexual life. Mm. When I got out of college, um, because like I said, I'm still sleeping with a lot of women. Um, when I got out of college, uh, it was like, all right, it was off to the races. And, uh, I continue to tap into this secret life. Um, I was, I, I was, I, I began attending heterosexual swinger parties you know, lifestyle parties, not often, but enough. Um, and then I would, but I was going to all male orgies too. And when I would go to all male orgies, I wanted to be, you remember on Players Club, how when she came in the room, she could control the whole room when mm -hmm. she, when she, that was me. And I said, I got to be able to take any size because I got to make all these dudes come. I got to make all these dudes climax. I got to make all these dudes feel like I'm in control of how we're going to be pleased together. You're not just going to do what you want with me. But I was still a big muscular, masculine guy. So it wasn't like I was, I, looked, I could flip in a minute and be like, dog, I'll crush you in this joint. So, but I never wanted to come into that a room being messing up the room, messing up the, uh, the atmosphere. So, so you, okay, I'm sorry. So it got to the point where whenever I went to an all male orgy, if the the mirror would show Victor, but the imaginative the imagination image was a bad chick. A bad super. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Victoria. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, you can say that. Yeah, so um um 
in addition to that, I used to sleep with transgender women too. Good God, we're gonna have to have a part two to this shit. My goodness. Okay, so look. <laughs> so listen. Okay, so I had a question. So you, you, you said you when you you wanted to be like Ronnie on the Players Club, when she said all you motherfuckers pay attention, and she had that pattern. She was whipping them men's, and they was just all in her beck and call. She was controlling them. Mm-hmm. So. Did you like more of a penetration or did you did you like to penetrate? I was the bottom. I love penetration. Mm-hmm. I love I love I love to be being penetrated. Um uh it was I I, I felt like this when when there was no more pain uh you're in control. When a when a woman is 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 being pleased, and she can produce the level of pleasure for herself through what you're giving to her, she can she can control the response of her body. That's why I got to. But I was like, I I'm pleasing him because I'm giving him something that pleases him so i'm in control um so being penetrated was a was a double pleasure for me um and it was i can tell myself you're loving me because you're kissing on me because you're rubbing my head my head or caressing my neck or holding me or rubbing my legs or wrapping your arms around me i can tell myself that and you're doing it to me so i can i can be in my mind what i want to be right now so that's what I did and it got to the point where one time I found myself spooning with a guy and I liked it and I had to hop out my I'll be right back and I went to the bathroom and uh, when I went to the bathroom I was like bro I looked in the mirror and I was like Slim you gay I need you to understand that you gay there ain't no secret, ain't no none of that. You are really gay. Do you understand me? You're gay. And um, I wanted, I was trying, as I battled with myself, I was. I, I really didn't want to battle myself. I really just wanted to accept being gay. Um, yes, I was sleeping with transgender women too. And um, and the way I felt, you know, I would, I, you know, I was the top a few times with a transgender, but I was like, you a dude, you got a penis. So I'm going to get you to the same place I get men to. And I was the bottom with transgender women too. I was the bottom so much with transgender women. They felt like you more of a chick than me. Um, I wanted it that way because I felt like I need to be the girl um, in the situation. And by this point, lust is controlling me. Lust is what's driving me. Um, I don't see it. I just see what my quest is. So... The, in addition to that, I used to throw parties. So me and my best friend used to throw parties. My best friend never knew this information until I told him. This was after my transformation. So we would throw parties. He went to he went to Norfolk State, Hampton, ODU was down there too. A lot of you know, it's a Virginia Beach is a party town. So we would throw parties down there, and we would crush the club 
that we was in. Like we, we had a really good situation and that added to the lore of my, my belief in myself, my self-confidence and my self-security. Mm. But it was only temporary because I, st- I when I would come off the high of whatever I was on, being a man in the club scene, um, being real high of exotic weed. I used to mix brown and white liquor. That was, that's how I drank. I, I didn't drink regular liquor. You know, I would mix Henny and like 100 proof vodka, put some Pepsi on top. That's my drink. Um, and uh, when I came down off that high, I would always feel really, really empty. Whatever the self-satisfaction was, I would feel really, really empty. And it got to the point where the most satisfying thing was to be with men to not feel empty anymore. That's what was, was my, my mind was just saying, just come out as completely gay and you won't feel empty anymore. Just be gay. But then the less was, that was, that was what was, how can I say that? I'm trying to figure out what that was, what was draining you. The lust. Once yeah, you, came yeah. Off you, that, you hit it on the head. You, you hit it on the head. The, the, the lust was like, the lust was like acid. It was like, it was like delicious acid. And the the more I drank this delicious acid, the more it burned. Yeah, it just poured through me. Yep. And you. um. And uh, it it. It came to a, a climax one night. Um, I was at an event. It was the last time I was ever with men. Um, everything I thought could keep me there wasn't keeping me there. And then in, in the meantime, before I even get there, um, the woman you just heard me talking to, my wife, we were dating at this point. She was in college. She was she was away at school at the time. And... um. um I didn't, I, I used to smoke, but I ain't rolled J's. When I was younger, my cousin, I first time I got to do to smoke weed, my cousin was like, you don't roll, you can't smoke. So I had to learn how to roll 50 blunts by myself. So I did. And, but my mother found out I was smoking and she tried to kill me. Not figuratively, but you know, she yeah, you know I, get, I, get, I get what she's saying, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I ain't smoked for a long time. Then I was in, I was in college, NCAA, I ain't wanted to, you know, to drug test me or nothing there, so. I stayed away from it. So one night I go to this event and um, it's an uh, all male orgy. It's kind of, it's, it's uh, you gotta wear underwear. I remember the dudes, you gotta wear underwear. I'm sorry, I'm not wearing no underwear cause I'm sexy. And every dude in nigga want me anyway. And he ain't gonna tell me to put on the underwear once he see how good I look. So I'm not wearing no underwear. I made it up in my mind already. So I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to this joint super fresh. I had a, a, a Superman hat, like candy purple Superman hat, H and M shirt to match the purple hat. Um, I think it was like tie dye Nikes to match the hat and the shirt, and I'm swolled up. You know what I'm saying? I got muscles. I'm abbed up. I ain't got no underwear on stuff, and I'm high. And I rode the J. And I remember I called my, my, my baby and I was like, boo, I rode the J. I took a picture, I said, I rode the J. She said, oh, you rode it, it looked good too. So 
I smoked a J by myself. I'm high. I'm good and high. And I'm drunk now. So I said, I'm not going to leave here until my high and my drunk well, because I'm around the corner of the miles. I ain't that far from miles. So I get in the joint, and the dude was like, you know, these are all the rooms. You know, this is the play area. You know, um, I had been, you know, to these before. So even going to heterosexual ones, they tell you where you areas you can play and tell you areas where you shouldn't play and all the rules and all of that. So he said, you can get dressed and heal, you know, whatever you want to put on. So I come out fully naked. I started walking through the joint and all the dudes in the house was like, they all froze and stopped and watched me. What I remembered was when I was made fun of as a child, when I was bullied and made fun of because my skin tone and called everything, you too dark, you sweat oil, you be chocolate, hand-me-down shoes, pay less you, all that. And I remember the pain from that. And now I'm hearing dudes lie to me to, to be next to me and give me lies of love. But I didn't care because the immediate feeling I felt was enough for me. And I was like, I'm not giving this up. I'm not giving this up. I'm not. And I walked around there for about three minutes and then the dude was like, he was like, then he, the way he approached me, he was like, hey, gorgeous. He was like, and you look super sexy. I love your body. You got a fat A. He said all that. He said, because you please put some underwear on before you turn this house into a frenzy. And I looked at him with a real sexy, seductive look, voice, everything. And I was like, nope. And I started flying around the joint. He chasing me. Like, he ain't really chasing me, but he like, so I said, I'm going to do it for a little bit. I'm going to go back to him and put some underwear on. So I did. So then I come upstairs and I see, uh, I met a real down low guy. I had never met me before. I was like, dang, this dude really masculine, regular dude and all that. But whenever I met a man, I always would be submissive, like a, a female. So I'm like, all right, I'm really getting the crux of me here. And then and there was, it was these dudes that was in a jacuzzi. They get out of jacuzzi, they come over, talk to me. They come over, come down the steps. And this one guy, he stares at me, like, really firm, like, looking me up and down. I'm like, man, what's up, what's up, what's up, cuz, bro? Like, I'm, I deal with this nigga. Like, I'm looking at him, like, what's up? I'm, st I'm standing up and right in his face. Because I ain't, I wasn't used to that. But he was attracted to me. I didn't know. He was feminine, too, so I didn't, I didn't know what he, what he was on. So I get downstairs a couple, a couple few minutes later. And, and I was in there, I'm an educator, and they were educated, so we all talking about, you know, teaching students and working with families and all that. And then two of them go down on me at the same time. Mm. I was like, yo, like, what is this? <laughs> so it was like, it was like, they, it was like I got lifted off my feet. And in every way I could be subdued, I was subdued. I was a pretzel for about 15 minutes and it was carnally to my flesh it was bliss like there are women that haven't experienced that and men that haven't like I, I was like yes and I was moaning so seductively but so passionately it was so authentic because I was screaming 
the moans weren't moans of just pleasure, it was moans of, yes, I'm loved. I'm what I desire to be. I didn't have to ask these dudes to love me. I didn't have to ask these dudes to kiss me. I didn't have to ask these dudes to understand me. I had to ask these dudes to caress me. I had to, I had to ask them that they just did it because they wanted to. I was like, bro, this is it. I could be this. So I remember driving home and I was like, all right, I'm gay. I kept saying I'm gay. And I was getting ready to, I was gonna tell my girlfriend, look, I love you, but I'm gay. Can't, can't be together. Um, we had a New Year's Eve party. Uh, and you know, and the crazy thing was too, this was my relationship with my girlfriend. We was wild too, like, we used to sex in front of her friends and all that. Like, we used to, she rode all the J's, I drank all, I mixed all the liquor. She used to be in the club, whole crowds be around her while she doing bridges and, and splits and all this. Like, yeah, we was turned up, quite turned up in our BC days. Um, and her friends were the type of friends, they, and her and her friends were the type to be like, you call me a hoe, I'm mad, or you say I'm a thought, I'm mad. They were like, like, dude, we want penis too. What's up, what you trying to do? They gonna walk up to you and be like, you trying to let it smash? Like, that's how they, that's how they was going right there. So, wow. um, so you didn't match your match. Yeah, yeah, really. Like, um, like her friends be like, man, you better bone my friend. Like, let us see. Like, they, they gonna challenge you to do it to her. Do it to your her in front of them. Um, so you had to be on your game. <laughs> as best I could explain it. Um, but we threw an easy party. It was January 1st. 2011 and we get it um we get back the next day i'm still a little tipsy my mother said y'all going to church the next day we go to church and the pastor says eventually at the end of the service and victor comes to the altar he's talking to me he says go sin no more and i'm like what? I heard this before. I grew up in church. Mm-hmm. And the 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 pastor and his wife, who is the co-pastor or the assistant pastor, um, they were very strong on sin, just sin in general. I to this day have never met a man who preached at a funeral and said to somebody, This type of this type of behavior that land you in hell. And she pointed at somebody casket when she did that. I ain't never met a man preach with that much authority. I was like, it was you. She all same. But it was real. But it, it didn't move me because I never felt the love of God. When I slept with men, when I slept with women, or, you know, felt the pleasure of what I wanted, when I drank, when I smoked, I felt what I wanted right then. And I didn't have to wonder or guess about it. And... When I heard him say it, I was like, all right, man, whatever. So I get home and I keep hearing a voice say, go say no more, go say no more, go say no more. And now I'm getting upset. I'm like, bro, I don't want to hear this no more. Because I know what you're trying to say to me. And the way I'm talking to you right now, that's how I was talking to God. So I'm trying to push into my room and get into my doorway. And I couldn't. It was like something was in my door and it wouldn't let me in. And I'm like, like pushing, and I'm like trying to get in it, and I 
pushed through my threshold and I fall to my knees and I just start crying profusely and hollering. Now you could translate the words that I was saying of my tears and my heart as I was screaming. Let me be gay. Let me be gay. Let me be gay. Like I, I, I was fighting to be gay. I wanted to be gay so bad. I was like, bro, I, want, I need men. I want to be loved by men. I want to be with men. Like, just let me be it. Like, leave me alone. Like, 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 get out of my face. I ain't care. Nothing about no heavenly presence, the Lord thy God, his wrath, his joy, his peace, none of that. I, I was in control of my life. And I felt like he's not listening. So then I told him. I said, I'm ugly. I'm insecure. I'm not confident. The people on the surface look like my friends and not even my friends. I'm angry. I said, you don't know what it's like to be me. And I had spilled my guts to the purest form. I let it all out. And I was like, this was my rationale that I felt he was going to say, all right, this is why he's gay. This is why I should let him be gay. I told you the title of my book is called From Secrets with Men to Romance with Him. This is where the romance comes in. Heard a voice say, like, say, listen, I was publicly ridiculed. I was publicly defamed. I was publicly betrayed. I was tortured and then I was murdered because I love you. And I was like, what? And I was stuck, Ruby. Like, I was so hurt and so rejective at the same time because all of the, the pain was before me and I was ready to not, to push it under my feet and just be gay. So I had to deal with all of it. I had to confront it. But then when he said that, it was like, the tears on my face like just stopped. Like, they just like, they was running, they just like, put on brakes. And I was like, I don't understand. I, I just, I expected you just to like be done with me to like, you going to hell, you know, my presence has left you or you are completely sinful or it's over. We're totally rejective. And I felt, a, it caught up about side. You got to excuse me, Ruby. Every time I tell this story. It, it well, you know, in the Bible, they say if you you don't supposed to speak in tongues when you don't have a translator. I don't understand it, so. But you know, go ahead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it, do it, it, it does. It does. But it also says there is an unintelligible language that is only between you and God. Okay. Okay. Um. So. Yeah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory. When I said, when he said that to me, I felt the presence just overtake the room. There was nothing in the room that had a name that was in greater authority than this presence. It suffocated the room. It was the biggest thing in the room. It was the strongest thing in the room. It was the loudest thing in the room and it wasn't being loud. It was the most calming, peaceful thing in the room. And then he said, give me homosexuality. Give me fornication. Give me drinking. Give me smoking. Give me cursing. Give me everything. And I'm going to give you my love. 
and you see how it feels. And I just decided to let him in. I just let him in immediately. I was like, I want, I'm gonna see how this feels. And when I did, oh Lord, drunk or brown or white liquor could not compare. Being filled with a climax that I could not describe, could not compare. Because what I experienced at that moment was not of this world. I can't put words to it. I could try to put words to it, but they wouldn't do it justice. I was so drowned in the love of God. And the experience was a high that I'm still on to this day. And as I felt it walk through my body and make me alive, I said, if this is what love feels like, I don't want anything else. I don't want nothing else. I just want him. At that moment, I was free. No 12-step program, no conversion therapy, no pray to get away. It was the romance of Christ Jesus. They conquered my soul. It won my soul. And I was free. But that's so sad you had to go through all that turmoil just to be able to feel the love that you wanted and need to feel. Sometimes when we parents, when we're raising our kids, we don't know, you know what I'm saying, what emotional stress we put on them, we holler at them, we mean to them, when we yell at them, we don't show them affection, we don't allow them to express themselves, they find other avenues <clears throat> to let it out. And your parents, your dad probably was just doing what he was done to him. You know what I'm saying? It's all he knew how to do. But that steered you in the direction to go that way. And look how you had to go through all, like, I feel like you was, I ain't gonna say hell. Well, I'm gonna say it was hell because you was fighting a battle between yourself and this spirit. Look how you had to do that. And then at the end result, it was always like at the time of God, I always loved you. You just, It's just that when you, when you got your mindset on something and that's what you want to do, like you said, you was blind. You couldn't see nothing else but what you wanted to do. And that's what happened. But I'm glad you found your purpose in life. I'm glad you found that love that you need to be found within God, within the universe, within Jesus, within your wife and your children. And now I can honestly say I feel like you are complete. So I don't have to, you know, ask you like, oh, well, will you be going back? No, nah, I don't feel like you will. That's why um, a lot of people be saying like, oh, when, these, when people talk about their story, they do this too much, they go going, that means they're going to deal back down or they're going to go back in. No, that just means they're telling you so you can happen. You know, it, that, uh, what's that guy? That's a guy, he's a famous gospel singer. He he was singing. Dr. McClurk. No, this one, this guy was gay for seven years. He had HIV for seven years. He caught it from a man. Oh, I know you're talking about, yeah. And, um, uh, um, I knew the song. As soon as I stopped worrying, um, I let go and I let Diedrich, go. Uh, Diedrich Haddon, I think his name, is it Diedrich Haddon? No, nah, it, it wasn't Diedrich, it wasn't Diedrich. Diedrich, Diedrich, if, if Diedrich has never publicly expressed that he was ever gay. But I know who you're talking about. It was a guy that said he had HIV and he was... Um, 
um, he made a song about it. The song was about. Seven, he said seven years of trilogy or something like that. Seven years of Trinity or some, something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, he said the seven year it was, he turned his life around. It was gone. If he's still into me, I don't know. But yeah, that was the story. So they kind of, because I kind of, a lot of people, when you tell them like, oh, I've been delivered from homosexuality. People be like, how can you do that? That's like saying you going from black to white. No, that's it can happen because this ain't sexuality and being gay or whatever. It's nothing but a spirit, just like a spirit of wanting to drink and smoke and party. They can just leave you like that. So can this spirit just leave you like that? Some people indulge in it so deeply that they don't want to leave. I, I've met I've met men that don't even want to be gay, but they're so deep to the spirit. They're so deep into the spirit of homosexuality that they can't help it but to be gay. Mm-hmm. Well, I met one guy. He said, I don't even want to be this way. He's like, mm. I like, he's like, I like women. Cause we, my, my cousin was a gay killer. He's like, it's why I'm in your face. He's like, I don't even want to be like this. He's like, but it's like something. I can't, it's like, I'm so deep into it though. It ain't really no turning back. And I'm like, yeah, you can turn your life around. You like, nah, nobody wouldn't want me this way. I was like, damn, that shit, and that, <laughs> that shit got me to thinking. I'm like, that shit, I took another shot after that. I'm like, damn, that shit deep. He just made my head spin. Well, like, the crazy thing is, my wife wanted me, and when I told her, I was prepared for her to say, well, I can't be with you no more. I don't want you no more. No, nah, we good. And um, she didn't do that. She said, are you done with the life? Because when I was telling her, she didn't believe me. She laughed at first. Because she couldn't. She was like, no, nah, I can't see that. So then I started telling her stories, and she was like, ain't no masculine man on telling a story like this if it ain't true. And she asked me, you know, eventually, you know, through the conversation, she was like, you done with the life? And I said, yeah. I said, I want Jesus and I want you. She said, you sure? I said, yeah, I know I, know I am. She said, well, let's move forward. It was that easy for her. And we've been married for 11 years. And the question of my of my fidelity or my sexuality has never come into question um, in our marriage. Now, I will be honest, because this is the Ruby show. Yeah. Give you, give you some uh, information that can help others. Somebody has said to me one time that they just didn't believe that I was completely free from any homosexual activity, anything related to it. And I shared it online and they came for me. They was like, see, I knew you had this, that, and the other. And you were struggling with this, that, and the other. That you should have said it because you can help more people if you just be real, honest all the way. And I felt the way she was doing it, she was attacking me. She was coming for me. But in the same breath, I felt it was good information to have on in the in the way she said it because it reminded me that people want to be set free and you can help them if you keep it all the way real but you got to know when it's time to do that so when we first got married we we felt as the scripture says in marriage but it's honorable and undefiled so we could do whatever we wanted to do and all we had to do was make sure it was between uh me and my wife so I had lost the desire 
to sleep with a man, be with a man, any of that, transgender, any of that. But I hadn't lost the desire to be penetrated. So we made that a part of our sex life. So that's what I meant to ask you. I wanted to ask you early in the show, and then we're going to wrap it up because it's getting late. I don't know what time it is on your side of town, but it's a little late over here. <laughs> so yes, look. Enough. But we're not supposed to say that on the podcast because it's supposed to air on Saturday. I know, right? <laughs> it's supposed to be a live show. If I can't, I don't give a damn. It just shout, shit out. We pre-record our shows, but we air it on, on Saturday. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Anyway, so um, I wanted to ask you, instead of you being with a man, why you just didn't be with a woman that penetrates you? Now, I'm glad you asked that. So, um, we, she was my wife. We was doing it for a minute. We had the toys and the straps and everything. And as I was doing that, I started having dreams. And the first dream I had was, it was, um, it was, uh, I was in the cemetery and I was, I was telling um, these people in the cemetery, they was like demons, but they was dressed up like uh, real fly flash. And they was like, get money, get money cash who's everything around me um you know all the things pertaining to money and i was saying seek you first kingdom of god all this righteousness righteousness and all these things all these things we added unto you and i was saying um god provide all i need according to riches and glory and um uh man cannot serve mammon and god and um the demons disappear and then one of them burst out of the ground and nailed a dollar to my head with a hammer. And he was like, get money, mother. And I was trying to speak in the spirit and I couldn't. My, my throat was choked. So I woke up because my nerves felt real tender. And I was like, bro, that felt real. Like real, real. Like real to the point where Nah, brother, this, this this is too much. So I was like, God, why am I having this dream? And well, a couple weeks later, I had another dream. And I'm in this room and all these beautiful women are coming around me and they saying, hey, Vic, hey, Vic, hi, Vic, Vic, what's up, what's up? And they start coming faster and faster. And then they turn to demons and they start snarling at me. Woke up again. And I was like, yo, why am I having these crazy dreams? Like, God, this is crazy. I don't want to have these dreams no more. And they feel very, very real. So, the last dream I had, I was uh, on my knees in this dream. And there was a bunch of men in there fit my face with it. A couple of the penises had semen on it. And I woke up and I was mad now. I'm like, why do I keep having these dreams? You said you ain't giving me the spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. You said who the son is fat free is free indeed. Why am I having these dreams? He said, because you keep giving the avenue to your old life. Mm. Get rid of the toys. You'll stop having the dreams. He said, listen. Notice that you just didn't have a dream about homosexuality. You had a dream about money, but you was heavy on money. You had a dream about womanizing. 
I mean, and you was having your womanizer and you had a dream about being gay. You had dreams of all of the things of your old life. He said, get rid of the toys and you'll stop having dreams of your old life. Got rid of the toys. About a week and a half, about a week later, I had a dream. I was flying around the skies and it was a horde of demons. I was about to pounce on these teenage kids. And um, I made a noise or a move and the demons saw me and they flew out to the skies to attack me. And my arms turned to swords, and I was cutting their heads off while I was proclaiming scripture. And the Holy Spirit said, this is the authority you will have when you obey me. And you lean not to your flesh in any way. And this is how you will be able to confront uh, the spirit of lust um, when you separate yourself completely from it. And he said, you have to remain in that state. And um, that, that, was the, that was the end of any attachment to the old life. Mm. That, but that's my story. That's my story. That kept me out. You have to separate yourself from your old life. That ring a bell for me because I used to do a lot of, a lot of drinking. Back in my younger days, I would drink. So I black out, just drink, drink, you know, just drinking, drinking, drinking. I caught a DUI, you know, before I've crashed some cars before. And I'm wondering, like, why? Because instead of me going, you know, this way or that way, I started being in the streets. I started taking my aggression and my anger out on the streets. And drinking was, I didn't never really do too many other drugs. I tried cocaine one time, didn't like it. I used to pop pills. I pop pills, but do Miley's. I too much really didn't care for that. I love to drink. So it's like you said something that 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 hit me like, okay, separate yourself from your old lifestyle, your old ways, and you become, you know what I'm saying, new. But you know, drinking is something that runs in the fam in my family. My grandmother was an alcoholic. Her dad, you know what I'm saying? So my dad is alcoholic, like it just runs in the family. So I seen the sickness that was going on. I ain't want to be a part of that. So I slowed down. I don't, you know, I'm slowly getting away from liquor. When I tell you I have not, I don't drink liquor. It's only a special occasion I drink liquor. Now wine, I have some wine. If I'm in my house, I'm just chilling, maybe a glass or two. But I that heavy, heavy drinking. I had a really bad experience with heavy, 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 heavy drinking. And I said to myself, you allow yourself to be vulnerable for somebody that can easily creep in. So you don't ever do that again. Cause that, cause you can, cause it, it may be a time where you're not going to be able to live to tell the experience. So well, you don't know how that first experience can be your last experience. So I, you know, stopped heavily drinking. So I separated myself from the partying, people that party, all that stuff. Now I just sit in the house. And I, you know, I feel exuberated. I get excited about small things like interviewing and making flyers and sending, you know, those type of things excite me now, rather than going out, you know what I'm saying, or hanging out. I don't even, going out, I'm like, oh, child, I'm going to be asleep by 1030. <laughs> by the time we get there, I'm going to be asleep because, you know, that's not my, you know what I'm saying, that's not my life anymore. Now, I go to a lounge or like something like that. 
you know, just to chill out for a few hours. But at a certain time, I know what happens at nighttime at a certain time. I know demons come out, all that stuff. So I'll be ready to go. And people be looking at me like I'm weird. But I, it's like I can't, I got to decide if I want to have one foot in or one foot out. You know what I'm saying? Like I've reached an epiphany to the, you know, to the point where, okay, I know I'm not going to be heavy drinking, but I'm not even going to be too deep into the alcohol like that. Like I used to be. So I know like it takes some time. I'm learning, I'm being transparent. I'm learning to, you know, balance things out as I decide to be social and go out. Sometimes I fall back into like, oh, something to get fucked up. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, no, that's not, that ain't, I don't, I don't look at, I don't want to see myself as, okay, people see me on one side on the radio. You I'm this, um, there you go. huh? I said, there you go. Well, I don't want to see myself like that. Yeah, that's, that's when, it, when you, when you can see yourself outside yourself, that's when you know you have authority over it and you have to just yeah. accept that authority. I don't want to see myself like that because I see myself as a sociable person. Yeah, I have a little wine or two when I'm at a mingling party or because me being in the radio world, people going to invite me to places. I'm going, it's going to be alcohol there. It's going to be, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be things there and I have to learn how to control that. I can't even control the environment, but I can control where I go and how I act. I definitely can control myself. So it's like, okay, yeah, I'm trying, I'm, you know, it's shit, I've been drinking smoking since I've been motherfucking <laughs> 10 years old. <laughs> Probably before then, you know what I'm saying? My first cigarette was at 10. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my- so, it's like, ooh, my first time drinking some alcohol, for real, for real, 11 years old, I'm just nigga drinking my auntie beer. She left on the, she was drunk. She left a beer out. I turned this shit up to the head. And she put me to sleep. I dig so, it, I dig it. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> you know, my story before another time, it's your time to shine. I'm just saying I can relate to the transparent and I can be honest with nah, myself. No, I, I, I felt you could as soon as that's why that's why we why that's why you asked me to be on the show. I said she re- we we are this is this is uh something that she understands. Yes, because it's like I'm still battling with myself on the drinking part. I don't drink as much as I used to. You know what I'm saying? And then sometimes when I feel pressure, I go, excuse me, I like, I'm like, no, hell no, excuse my burp, sorry, y'all, pass the grapefruit pun, I just burped, <laughs> hell no, you not finna drink, I, they be like, some of my mind be like, bitch, you better put that damn ball back, what you about to do with that, you got them kids at the house, and I'm like, ah, oh, you right, you right, you right, so I put the bottle down, and I get something lighter, like a seltzer beer, or, you know, or I have to find something. And it's the same thing with smoke. I have to find something else to relax me. But I was so dependent on every time I get upset, I smoke a cigarette. Every time I get mad, I smoke a blunt. Every time I, you know what I'm saying? I have to find I have to find something to replace that. But it ain't no replacing. It's just, a, I mean, a lot of times people be like, well, you know, you can't just do cold turkey. You know what I mean? You got to wing. You just as long as it took you to get on it, it's as long as, it, as long as you've been on it, it's going just as long as it's gonna take you to get off. And I'm like, well, I don't believe that because my grandma said that she got delivered from smoking cigarettes and and drinking and all that stuff. You know, as time went, you know, as a, and, and within, she prayed about it, and a week later she was over it. You know what I'm saying? But that's free love. You got to be serious in your heart about it. Yeah, you know, I am. I mean, I don't want to be a party pooper. 
but I don't want to be, you know what I'm saying, fucked up where I can't function and know what's going on around me. And you know what I'm saying? Those days of getting drunk like that are over. People tell me stories about myself all the time. I'm like, I ain't know I didn't do that shit. Though. It's like, oh, yeah, you used to be a motherfucker back in the day. <laughs> I'm like, I know I was a little off, but the alcohol, you know, I was like, you need to stop drinking, you need to stop drinking. It just intensified every thing you know what i'm saying now i'm i used to didn't think wine get you drunk but now i know wine get you drunk oh i don't slow down on that shit i was like oh nah but i ain't know this wine hit you like that oh hell no <laughs> so yeah but you know it's just a, it's a process and i'm not afraid to admit my process baby i would tell you about me in a minute because how the hell i'm gonna be on here discussing somebody else's business or even interviewing somebody else uh, or even interviewing somebody else about their business and i can't tell my own now that's a hypocrite Okay, so yeah. anyway, <laughs> I'm just being. Anyway, I enjoyed you on this podcast. It has been so fun. This, I mean, I love the story. We got into detail. Um, we got in. I like the fact that you detailed like me. You know, what I'm saying people say you long winded, but I like detail. I want to know how I started, the in between. Then we went from that to every. You know, we got into the juicy parts, and it's good that you know what I'm saying. At the end of every tunnel, or I said in every storm, it's always a pot of gold or a rainbow. And you reached your pot of gold and your rainbow. You got plenty more pots of gold and rainbows to come across and go because life is not over yet. You know, my grandma always just say, "Keep living." You know what I'm saying? You never learn anything. <laughs> Make sure you rest in peace. You never over learn anything. Just keep on living, baby. Just keep on keeping on. So, um, as I always end the show, Mr. Victor Bell, tell people where they can find you. Let's shout out your social medias once again. Shout out your book once again. And let the people know where they can find you. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Love and Sword. That's L O V E. A-N-D-S-W-O-R-D, Love and Sword. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Victor Edward. Um, just type in Victor Edward and you'll see me come up. Either, either will be my uh, business page or my regular page. You can find me on Clubhouse, excuse me, uh, at Yeshua Over Lust. Let's say that one more time. Um, Victor Edward at Yeshua Over Lust. That's Y-E-S-S-H, excuse me, Y-E-S-H-U-A-O-V-E-R-L-U-S-T, Yeshua Over Lust. And uh, my book is on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Once again, it's called From Secrets With Men to Romance With Him. I'm going to say that one more time. From Secrets With Men to Romance With Him. Um, if you want to purchase a book from me, let me know. Uh, you can reach out to me on any of my platforms um, or you want to purchase a book from those platforms as well. You can do that as well. Uh, once again, Ruby, thank you for letting me uh, be a guest on your podcast. I'm honored as all, um, as I am on every podcast, but I cherish each of each opportunity. And it's always, a, uh, this was a, this was a, a very relatable experience. Very much so. I definitely could relate to you and, um, I always go back and listen to my podcast and I'm going to go back and listen because I always critique myself. I'm going to go back and listen and um, I'm going to feel the same way I felt interviewing you. I'm going to feel it. It's going to touch my soul. Some parts, you know, had me like, whew. You know, my, I kind of muted my mic because I'm like, whew. You know what I'm saying? Like I was feeling it. And the way you tell your stories, it's, 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 
you're you know some people tell a story that's too serious but you're like this is who i am this is what i was and we're here now i like i love your transparency but anyway guys it has been nice it has been fun but your girl gotta run life is too short half fun some of the time ain't shit all good when your ass is all broke so keep some money in your pocket the most expensive thing is a closed mind so always keep your shit open revenge is a dish best served cold but the best revenge is living well all right um and always remember to tell the truth even when no one is listening because somebody hear your ass and if you don't remember anything or anything we said or did in this recording remember that we people revenge strong people forgive intelligent people ignore figure out what person you are we are out we want to thank mr victor bell once again for coming through here and blessing us with his presence and his story and maybe his story can help you or somebody else you know out until next time america
patience. Oh, should I let it pass?